I'm Quinn. And I'm Alex. And we're a, a couple, couple of, of characters. characters. We discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games. What are we talking about today, Alex? Today we'll be talking about having a session zero. Yes. Plus doing a kind of session zero for the game that I'm going to run for you. Yeah. Yeah. With Naboon. Yes, with Naboon, who we talked about in our last episode. So I guess let's start off by saying what is a session zero? Yeah. Or sessions zero. <laughs> yes. So it's one or more meetings to discuss how the campaign will go, rules for the game, expectations of all the players, etc. It should take place prior to any actual gameplay so that everyone is on the same page. And it's kind of like a contract between all of the players. Yeah, and hopefully everyone is there all together for this, but you could do a couple like one-on-one things with the DM and the players if that's the only way it works. But presumably if you're going to be playing a D&D game or other RPG, you should have times that work for everyone. Exactly. And the first thing that you should talk about is game length and campaign length. So how long each session will last, how often you'll play, and what is the expected length of the entire campaign? Right. So is this just going to be like a little summer thing where you're going to play for three months or do you plan on taking a couple of years to really flesh out the characters? Yeah. The next most important discussion topic should be safety tools and lines and veils. Now, this is a serious topic, but I just felt like it was fun to add a little intrigue. Yeah, definitely serious. So for our lines and veils, so line is something that is kind of like I hate snakes and I'm afraid of snakes. And if we have any snakes in the campaign, I'm going to nope out of there. Yes. So that would be a line. So something like that. Now, that is not personally my view, but, you know, that is an example. Yeah, it's something that is completely off limits. No questions asked, just it's off limits. Yeah, so a lot of these things might, maybe this could be like killing any children or it could be like, you know, other sensitive topics like that. Right. Or it could be something that might seem inane to one player, but to another player, it's very important that this is not talked about. So yeah. we have to respect those wishes. Yes. So why don't you tell us about veils, Quinn? So a veil is something that's touchy, but not off limits. So let's say you are uncomfortable with snakes, but like they can be mentioned mm-hmm. just as long as it doesn't go into detail. So you're like, oh, there's a snake there, whatever, and then that's it. Like, that's how it's mentioned, and then it's fine. Yeah, but if the big bad is a giant snake, we're going to have problems. Right. And then another thing is you should talk as a group how you will deal with a scene or topic getting out of hand and making someone or many someones uncomfortable. And having a system for players to indicate discomfort without drawing attention to themselves makes the space safe for everyone because everyone is here to have fun. Right, and this could be something like a little card with an X on it. It could be like you raise your hand if you're uncomfortable in a certain way. I don't know. Send a text. Right. It could be something you just text the DM and then we move on. Yeah. But it's just, I think it's something to establish before the game to say, okay, look, this 
It's getting out of hand. I don't want to witness my friend having a romantic scene to this extent or something, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, you don't have to role play every single scene always. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, yeah, your character wants to have a romantic scene or whatever. You can just mention that something happens and then move on. Right. Like, maybe your character goes to the brothel and that's all that needs to be said about that, you know? Yes. It's a consensual thing that happened, and it's fine, Mm -hmm. but we don't need to role play it. And then in a similar vein, so if you, you know, definitely as the DM, I would start off by saying, maybe give examples of your own lines and veils to make the players feel a little more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things like this are better as one-on-one kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Like, not everyone is going to be comfortable saying in a group, like... You know, you don't, they don't have to bring up their past traumas if they don't want to. I recently listened to the Three Black Halflings episode on Session Zeros. And they mentioned that one thing that you could do is have like a Google Doc or, you know, some sort of online thing where you can anonymously put like some info like, oh, I really don't want to ever see snakes in the campaign. But you're not comfortable sharing that with the group. You could just anonymously post it on there. And now the DM and everyone else knows, okay, we don't want snakes in the campaign, that's fine. But, you know, yeah, you feel a little less vulnerable telling everyone, like, okay, I'm afraid of snakes. Yeah. Very badly. I hope no one listening actually is afraid of snakes because we keep using this example. I'm so sorry if you are. Yeah, we're just using this example because it's not a big deal for either of us. Like, I don't yeah. enjoy them, but I'm not terrified of them. I'll mess with the snake. Okay. <laughs> now, one thing it. I will say about, so like, our, oh, I, think I was going to say the oh, last thing is, like, you're just, you need to establish an amount of trust within your group. Yeah, definitely. So I think this really comes down to, yeah, for sure, trust. Because if I say I can't handle snakes and then, you know, my friend John is playing a uh, Naga, we're probably going to have a problem, John. Like, can you play a different type of creature, please? Because I really don't like snakes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. And maybe the DM says, you know what? There's not Naga in my world because Alex hates them. And so we're just going to take them out. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's our next topic for a session zero? Player expectations. And remember, the DM is a player, too. So their expectations fall under this as well. So, like, if you're the DM, you discuss what's your play style. Like, you're like, oh, I like a lot of combat, and I really like a lot of focusing on the rules, things like that. Um, Yeah, and as a player, you could say something like, oh, I really like solving puzzles, or I like exploring the world. Yeah, I like role play. Yep. The narrative is really important to me. These are all examples of things, and you can have any number of things that are important to you. It's just everyone should be on the same page about what kind of game they want to play. Like, it's fine if you don't agree on a game style. Maybe you should play a different game with a different group of people. Yep. So that everyone is having a good time. Yeah, like, as we've said, actually, I don't know if we said this before, (laughs) but there are so many RPGs out there in the world. There are. Like, you don't have to play D&D. You can find plenty of RPGs. I'm sure there's like a My Little Pony RPG if you really want to like 
be cute and fun. Yeah. There's probably, like, a lot of, like, horror RPGs if you want to go the opposite direction. Yeah, exactly. Like, will you be counting every ration and arrow? Are you just assuming you stocked up in town? Like, these are all things that you should be discussing. Yeah. I would say that you also want to talk about, like, um, is this game going to be narrative-driven or more, like, mechanics-heavy? So, like, a narrative-driven campaign is going to have a lot more storytelling and RP moments, and we're going to brush over things like rations and arrows. Yeah. Whereas if you're more, like, a survival-style game then you're probably going to want to count those rations yeah. and arrows because like if you run out of important. stuff yeah like if you run out of stuff your character might starve to death yeah i think for us you and i we like a little bit more of the narrative style but yeah. you know i'm sure there are people out there that love counting their rations and arrows and that's fine yeah you also should discuss the overall tone of the game is this going to be a serious high fantasy game set in a Lord of the Rings style? Or is it going to be a silly space opera set in, like, the Spaceballs world? Like, just make <laughs> sure everyone knows how serious or not you're going yes, to play. I'm bringing my, my stoic elf to the Spaceballs world. <laughs> yeah, where... We're on different pages. <laughs> yeah, and somebody's probably not going to have a good time mm-hmm. in that scenario. Yeah, so it's good to... Get this out up front. Yeah. And then also at this point, you should address player agency or how much influence on the world the players have. Right. So this would be something like if I, you know, if I want to have a background, be a little more silly. And I came from a temple called the Temple of Nilly Willies or something. I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> then... Maybe that's okay in my world, and maybe the DM's like, eh, I want to be a little more serious with the game, and I think it should be, you know, the Temple of Nihawala or something. I don't know. I just made something up again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know what we mean? Kind of like um, how much can players influence the world as the game is played, too? Like, yeah. You know, something like that. Like, if, I'm, if we walk into a tavern and you're like, oh, I go talk to this tabaxi, is the DM going to be like, well, there's not a tabaxi there, you know? Yeah. That would be a bold move. Yeah. It on would either be. person's okay, part. It, it certainly <laughs> would be, but, you know, yeah. you know what I mean, though? Like, that's something you But can... hopefully you already know this about playstyle already. You're addressing these things. Yeah. I will also say, like, some games like Fate have a lot more player agency than a D&D. D&D, a lot of the time, is more the DM gives you the scene and that's what it is. And, like, Fate, it's more like, oh, I can change the world. And, like, if I need a pool table there so I can pick up a pool ball and throw it at someone, it will be there. Yeah. I want to make one last uh, tangent from expectations here. So I want to talk about a game I played, and this was one of my early D&D games that we did not have a Session Zero. And this game was a lot more, like, combat-focused, and the DM was really... seemed like he was really trying to kill us with every fight, and there wasn't a lot of agency for, like, using charisma-type things to get around situations. And the character I made for this game was a very charisma-based rogue... So I was very going into it thinking like, oh, I'll be able to persuade and decept my way through a lot of things. And the DM was not having it. And that turned out to be a bad situation for me. And I didn't have a ton of fun. 
in that game and I had to like kind of try to change my character midway through the game to adapt it to this heavy combat setting. So it's one one situation where I wish we were to head to session zero so I could have figured that out up front. Yeah. Okay, what's our next thing, Quinn? Special rules. Ooh. Yeah. So you should discuss any homebrew rules you have or any other house rules how you'll deal with rule debates, and what happens if a player has to miss a session. Right, so if you want to do some homebrew rules, like it takes a bonus session to drink a potion instead of an action, or you, you know, standing up only costs 10 feet of movement, those kind of rules, you should establish those up front so that the players aren't surprised by them. Yes. Or like flanking is one that I know a lot of people use that is not in 5th edition, but it was in older editions of D&D. Yeah, so discuss how rules would be debated if there's a question or like a bit of a discrepancy with between the player and the DM on a ruling. It's like, will the players be able to make a case for why they're able to do something? Or is it just like, this is the rule in the book, this is how it is? Right, like say your gnome tries to grapple a human or something, then there might be a ruling on like, oh, now we have to check the size restrictions because I feel like there's some sort of size restriction on like grappling. But I don't actually know the rule. I'm just pulling this out of my butt. But I'm. I think sure it's there's like they can't be large or larger. Okay. I'm not but positive. It, but it could but... be that they might just not be able to be larger than you. So yeah. then a gnome couldn't. So, like, something like that, you know, when it comes up, it's kind of a less frequent thing that's going to come up. But when it does, the DM might say, okay, you know, you can't grapple him because you're small and he's medium. Or you can grapple him because you're a barbarian and you have a history of, like, I don't know, like... Brawling. Yeah, ultimate fighting, brawling, whatever. So, like, you are able to do these things because you've trained in it. Right, but with the uh, rule debate... Let's say they go with the first way, right? Mm-hmm. And then I look in the book and I say, look, it says that a creature can grapple someone that's not larger, larger, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't actually know what the rule is. But then the DM might say, okay, yeah, I see that and you can you can go ahead and try to grapple him. Or maybe the DM just says, no, I've made my decision. We're just going forward with that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, remember that the DM is taking their time to run a game for you. And do all the planning, so you should respect their final ruling. Yep. Don't argue with them. Yeah, and remember, again, that we're all trying to have fun, so arguing is not the goal. It's maybe, you know, if you can bring up the case in a civil way, that's good, but once the DM's like, no, you can't do that, just move on. Yes. And if a player has to miss a session for whatever reason, are you going to have another player or the DM pilot them? Or are they just going to be present but not actually affecting anything? These are options that your group can go with. I personally am a big fan of they are with the group, but they're kind of just zonked out. Like, you know, we don't really acknowledge that they're there. They don't count for, like, AOE things. They don't count for, you know, initiative, stuff like that. Yeah. Because it's really hard to try to play someone else's character because they have their own vision of what the character is and how it should be played and then everyone else has their opinion of what that is but you know you never know what they really would want yeah or i've had it in the past where like oh this player is 
can't come for a couple weeks or whatever, a couple sessions. Mm-hmm. Maybe they got kidnapped and you guys have to go rescue them. That's another thing that you can have happen. Yeah. You know? Things like that. Like, oh, you got to go rescue this person. They got lost in the woods. I don't know. Yeah, and my one game that I play, there's like eight players or something, but consistently there's only maybe five people that are in the session, so we just ignore the other three people. And we're like, yeah, they're with the group, and if the cleric's out there and like someone's unconscious and the fight's over, sure, she'll hit them for some healing. But otherwise, we just kind of ignore them. Yeah. All right, what's our next thing, Quinn? Would you like to talk about table etiquette? Yeah, sure. So for table etiquette, what we have here is we want to establish the rules for things like drinking alcohol at the table or other substances. You want to talk about um, using cell phones or other devices. Yeah, like a tablet or a computer, whatever. And you want to talk about things like unannounced dice rolls, like these things that might come up. So what I mean by unannounced dice roll is when a player makes a roll and is like, oh, I got a 19 perception check before the DM kind of tells you, you know, why you should be making a check, if you even need to make a check, you know, that kind of thing. One thing that I like to do to help keep me focused when I am listening to something, but not actually like in the scene, is I like to have a coloring book. It helps keep me listening, but then I'm not like thinking about other things because sometimes when I'm not like focusing on something I'm just drifting and then I realize oh it's been 10 minutes and I have no idea what's going on in our game right so that's something you want to talk to with your players about because maybe you have someone like Quinn that's going to need a coloring book that's actually going to help them focus yeah or it might be that someone's like you know texting or something during the game and it's becoming a distraction yeah. And we don't want that. The first part we want so that people can be engaged and have fun. But the second part, it's going to start taking away from the game. And I know, like, for me, because I'm visually impaired, I always need a device. So I've never played in a game that says you can't have any cell phones or devices. Right. If they did say that, you probably wouldn't be able to play because, sure, you could have a Braille character sheet. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to remember everything that you can't just update. Yeah, yeah. My pit points. You can't are just jot down. Okay. Oh, I did. Oh, I think I wrote fourteen, but I can't read my handwriting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fifty-eight minus twenty-three, and then I had to remember that, and then oh no, now it's my turn. I don't know what spell slots I have left. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a nightmare. Yes. So we're fans of devices. They help, you know, people keep track of their stuff. Right. Also, they, if you have your phone with you and you have your character sheet, oh, look, you can't forget it. Yeah. And then also, you know, just it's everyone's doing their own thing. So if your table doesn't use devices and that's working for you guys, that's great. Just make sure it's established at the session zero, the rules on that. Yes. All right. You want to talk a little bit about role play etiquette? Sure. So there is a spotlight when you're playing the game and... You know, it should be spread equally among everyone. Like, sometimes... I was just going to say it's making me hot. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you need to step out of the stop spotlight and give to, it to someone else? I had to step else. into your spotlight to crush your... What you were <laughs> my saying analogy. To, to make my funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Maybe just making an example of what you shouldn't do. <laughs> right. So let's say this character, his name is Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob uh, is always trying to lead everything and make everything about his character. I feel like he's a bard. Bob the bard. Yeah. Then there's this quiet person. We'll name them Persephone. I don't know. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. And she finally has this role play moment that she wants to play out, that she wants to have this conversation, whatever. And then she's going through and she's doing it. And then Bob just barges in to tell a, a random joke. Don't be like Bob. Mm-hmm. Let Persephone have her moment. You got to share the spotlight. Right. And sometimes, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we had Jasper on. And this is a moment where maybe Bob's character or Bob the Bard in character would have jumped in and ruined that moment for Persephone. But as the player, Robert, the player of Bob the Bard. Okay. um, Robert needs to realize that Alice is having a moment and she doesn't usually have moments. So let's just have her... You know, let her have her moment in the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. So just to sum that up, let the scene happen if you aren't in the scene. Yeah. And then, you know, that also goes for kind of another thing is like if you are at a beach and half the party's at the tavern and there's something going on at the tavern, don't, you know, be making your jokes and interrupting the tavern scene while your characters are on the beach. Just let them have their scene. Mm-hmm. You chose to go to the beach, so you're not in that scene. Yes. All right. Uh, Next thing, I guess. Is this our last thing? It is the penultimate thing. Okay. But it is one of the beefier things. Okay. Let's get it. Story. Well, not right now in the discussion, but like at your table. Oh, yeah. It will be the beefiest thing probably. Is the story slash setting. What is your world like? We gave some examples earlier, but like, oh, How does the world look? Who lives in this world? How do different people interact in the world? Things like that. This can also be a great time to form bonds between the characters prior to the campaign so that the array of PCs that show up have some ties, since the expectation is that every PC is supposed to come together to form the party. Right, so maybe I've had this happen where the DM will say, okay, you have to know at least one other PC... So your character knows at least one of the person's character. Or you could even do two other players' characters. I had that once. Ironically, that campaign still, session one, we still somehow all were fighting. Because that group was just, I feel like we just were not a cohesive group. Yeah. But it was just funny to me that Eric, at the end of the session, was like, Yep, uh, we made all these bonds and immediately everything went to hell. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, it should be a good place to kind of form bonds and talk about the world and the setting. Yeah. I guess we already talked about the setting a little bit and expectations, but, you know, give some lore about the world yeah. and what the characters would know yeah. as opposed to what the players know. So Right. Like, what what is your character's backstory? This is a great time to bring it in and have, you know, it potentially related to another player's backstory. And we're always big fans of writing backstories for your characters because it gives the DM things to use to incorporate you into the world. This also gives you an amount of agency in the world. Like, the things that you wrote are mattering. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And also, you don't necessarily have to give up all your secrets at this session zero. You know, if you want to have a backstory that has a few secrets in it, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Just give it to the DM Mm -hmm. then. Yeah. All right. And uh, anything more to say on that? The story setting? I know this is a big part in actual session zeros, but right now there's not a lot of meat on this bone. No, I'm good on this one. All right, what's our last thing? The ultimate. The last thing is an initial scene. Now, this isn't necessary, but it is a nice way to kind of introduce people to your character. So maybe have like a little small role play scene where they get to describe what their character looks like and maybe explore a character voice. You can have this be the point where the party comes together and becomes a group for the first time or where they're setting out like, oh, they happened to the common trope of just meet in this tavern and they were all interested in seeing this notice that was on the board. That's fine. You can have them do that and go off and walk into the sunset together into the forest to go rescue the lost child. I don't know, whatever. You know what I just had the idea for? It's kind of like, it's like a joke on that trope. Mm-hmm. would be like the party meets in a tavern or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like 9 a.m. and they they are the only ones there. <laughs> that anyway, is hilarious. I just had that little idea. I thought I'd share it with you. Yeah. But yeah. I, and like definitely, they, or like 10 a.m. Like the breakfast rush is done and we haven't gotten to the lunch rush yeah, yet. Yep. Yeah, just but, them and the barkeep. Yep. Yeah, but definitely this little initial scene is not necessary, but it's kind of nice to get together and you get to roll dice. Um, I guess we could have said earlier that also you can make characters together in a session zero. That's true. Some groups do that. Yeah, like you can roll your stats together. I think we did that last time with our big campaign, but that was so long ago. It was so long ago. It was pre-COVID. We could still play in person. I don't remember. I think we rolled some our ability scores together. But anyway, yeah, that's something you could do at that session zero. That Mm -hmm. we we missed that one, but that's all right. And yeah, you don't have to have the initial scene, but it's a good way to. I was gonna say roll some dice at the session zero because we all love rolling dice. Yes. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll take the segue over to Naboon's thing. (laughs) (laughs) What a seamless segue by Alex here. Thank you, thank you. Yes, yes. Hold the applause, please, until the end of the show. we're back as we discussed in our last episode i'm gonna be running an actual play campaign for alex Woo! yes and following what we discussed earlier in the episode we're gonna walk you through our session zero for this campaign sounds good we did want to make a couple tweaks to the story of nibun that we came up with last time because you know once you make a little short story for the backstory it's good to go back and tweak it a little bit and make sure that it's what you want Mm mm-hmm do you want to go ahead and tell the listeners what we changed it to or what we came up with at the end? Oh, I was thinking we could do it at the end when you, like, just bring them back. Oh, yeah, sure. All right. You take it away, then. Quit letting me be in charge. <laughs> um, so for timing, I personally can't handle playing D&D for more than three hours straight. I just start to get bored. I know mm-hmm. you could play, like, all day. I have done, like, an eight-hour session. It was a lot. <laughs> 
I'm not saying I'd hated it. I'm saying it was a lot. <laughs> and since it will be only the two of us playing, our sessions slash episodes will probably only be around an hour. Because mm-hmm. you're probably not going to go off on a random tangent with a bunch of other people's oh. planning for, you know, an hour. Oh, that is true. Yeah, I won't plan anything. Oh, no. You're <laughs> probably just going to go off and do tangents anyways. But assume, is... assume there will be no planning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We also have decided that we're only going to release these episodes once a month. And after the first one, they might just be bonus content. So Yeah, so session one will be in this feed. But the rest are going to be patron-only content on our Patreon. And we may release the other ones later. We haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. But the patrons will get first access for sure. Yeah. And then, so that's our frequency and length. And then do you have any idea on the campaign length? Or are we just winging it? So my thought was we're going to play it as long as we have an interesting story to tell. All right. If we feel that we're wrapping up our story with mm-hmm. Naboon, we can end it. Sounds good. Move on to something else. Yep. Make a new character in the world. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. That sounds good to me. All right. Next is the boundaries and safety tools. And they're going to look a little different in our game since it will just be Alex and I playing. And we can stop if either one of us feels any discomfort and we can cut that stuff. Right. But, you know, if we happen to have a guest playing with us, we would definitely talk with them about those things beforehand. Yeah. And I definitely think that uh, that's a good idea if you ever have a guest or, like, someone come on for one episode or, you know, probably in your life, your actual campaigns, you don't call them episodes. You call them one a session. session. Yeah. Then it's good to talk to them about, like, what are our safety rules and how are we, what are our lines of fails and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like... For example, I personally don't like hearing or seeing detailed graphic depictions of violence. So I don't like to describe every single splatter of blood. Like some people like that. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I'm nasty like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with that, but you know, that's fine. Yeah. For me, I would say that I'm not a huge fan of like getting too into the romance scenes like or sexual scenes like... I'm good to cut it at like a closing doorway. The two people go in the room and the door closes. Like or more. Anything Who like knows? That. They're all consenting. It's fine. Yeah. You know, whatever group is in the room and they close the door or maybe it's just one person, you know, <laughs> a yeah. little self-love. But anyway, <laughs> I don't need to like describe that with you in a public forum. And I don't uh, even in our, you know, games at home. I wouldn't want to go through those either. Yeah, and it's also good to have these things in place because sometimes you don't know that something will be triggering for you until it happens. Yeah, that's where our safety tool will come in handy where we can say, okay, stop, or we can raise a little card with an X on it, whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's that's pretty much it for me. I can't think of any other ones right now, so I guess if anything else comes up, I will mention it for sure. Yeah. It's a little different also because Quinn and I are married and we know each other pretty well so i feel like these things we yeah, already we, kind of know we know each other's boundaries already mm-hmm. all right what's our next thing again we have expectations yes expectations so as alex and i already said we don't like to get too bogged down in resource management 
Mm-hmm. Um, we like to focus on the story, which is one of the reasons we wanted to make this show in the first place. Right. We like to tell stories together. Yeah, I definitely think this will be very narrative driven with some combat. And, you know, I enjoy combat, but. Yeah, with, I enjoy combat. Just one player, it will also be a lot faster knows? to do combat. Yeah, it will. <laughs> because either, like, even if it's a long combat, it'll be every other turn is a new round. Yeah, this is true. Unless you have like 20 monsters versus me, and then I will well, be then, very frightened. <laughs> then Naboon will either run away or die. Yep. Also, I'm just going to put on the expectations. I'm not trying to kill your character. I don't want to kill your character. I really like his backstory. I think it's really interesting. <laughs> so if I accidentally kill you, you might get some divine intervention kind of thing, and someone may bestow some healing or life or whatever onto you. Who mm-hmm. knows? Yeah, maybe some genie intervention if he becomes, you know, a little more taken with Naboon as we I, You bond. know, I think that having you bonded to him, this genie would prefer you to not die because he likes having minions. I was going to say like a hand in the world, but yeah. I think minion is the appropriate term. It's the same thing to him. <laughs> yep. Uh, what kind of stories do you like, Alex? I really enjoy like high fantasy stories, like uh, Lord of the Rings. Though, of course, that is not the like best example because nor it one has that we enjoy things. either. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I haven't actually ever read Lord of the Rings. Um, Wheel of Time, I guess, is a good place yeah. to go. That's a story I like with a lot of high fantasy. So I'm a really big fan of those, and that's what I like to play. That is also what I like in a role-playing game. Right, which is why d and is kind of our favorite, or one of our favorites. Well, it's my favorite. I was going to say, I've played none others. Okay, it's Glenn's <laughs> favorite by default. Yes. And the tone of this game is going to be kind of serious, but I also know you as a person and a player, so I know that some silliness and chaos is going to ensue. As I said, we will have no plans. Nabun is going to act in a way that makes sense to him, which might not make sense to anyone else, but it will be fun. It'll be <laughs> fine. Yeah. And an important thing to us is having positive portrayals of people with various identities and backgrounds, such as LGBTQIA+, people with disabilities, people of various racial backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I also want to make sure we positively portray sex workers. Mm-hmm. So if we happen to encounter any in a broth or whatever, we're not going to fall into those negative stereotypes that are commonly seen. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to actively avoid that. I was going to say our tone will also be not that dark because, as you said earlier, you don't like violence or, like, portraying violence as much. So right. There might be, be a some hard to be Yeah, there dark. are some dark things that might happen in sure. there, but it's not like... It's not going to be I'm not going to be lucky. depicting torture. Yeah. That's All a right. no-go for me. All right. And I'm a big fan of player influence in the world. As your character does things, it makes sense for me that those things would have, you know those actions would affect the world. Right. It also keeps your players more invested if their actions matter. Yeah. 
I would say that, you know, especially as they level up, right? Like a level one character, it makes sense that they're not giving much impact on the world. But once you get to like five, you start making an impact on the city you're in. Yeah, I mean like... you're making, you know, more of an impact and so on. Yeah, it also depends on where you are. If you're level one and you're in a small town, your actions probably will matter Mm -hmm. if there aren't a ton of people. And let's say you have magic, like sure there's magic, but not everyone has magic, so... You got to look at things like that. All right. Now it's time for my homebrew rules. What you brewing in that pot? Here's my laundry list of things I brewed in the pot. Equipping a shield uses an interaction. So All on right. your turn, you can equip a shield or pull out a weapon. Normally, in like the actual rule book, equipping a shield uses an action. We have never played that way. I didn't even know <laughs> it was a rule. So I'm going to continue playing it the way we always have. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a harsh rule. Like, if you're forgetful like you are and you're like, oh, dang it, I wanted to pull out my shield. It's a wasted turn. Yes, I mean, I, it's not really a waste because the shield is a good bonus, but at the same yeah, time. Yeah, but if you don't have something to do on your bonus action, that sucks. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yep, shield interaction. Got it? Yeah. I am quite forgetful about my shield, and I will say if I if I didn't say I took it out, I'll be like, yeah, my AC isn't as good. Mm-hmm. Hit me with that thing. Yeah, it hits me. I, for, I didn't say I took <laughs> out my shield, so I didn't do it. You're oh, right. Yeah, I just remember my character just got a shield. She bought one, so I should make sure I remember. <laughs> Give her the shield. Yep. All right. Standing up from prone always uses 15 feet of movement because I think it's dumb that people with larger movements should be penalized for standing up. If I am a monk with 45 feet of movement, why would my movement use the same amount as everyone else? Or, like, more than anyone else? Yeah, I was going to say, if you have 50 movement, which is not that hard to get to as a high-level monk, yeah, then now it takes me a full gnome or halfling's movement speed to get up, but I'm a monk. Yeah, like, it's I ridiculous. Yep, I like that rule. Dismounting a horse uses 10 feet of movement, and mounting a horse uses 15 feet of movement. All right. This did come up in my previous game. I don't know what the actual rule is. I don't remember, but this is what I had written down, so this is what I'm going with. (laughs) That's your rule. Mm Mm-hmm. You cannot take feats since you're going to be part of an adventuring school that will let you acquire more abilities. And at certain points, you will be able to get feats as well, but you won't have access to every single feat. Yeah, as you told me before, it's kind of like an adventuring school, so you can train there. And that's kind of how you get a lot of feats. Yeah, that's how you get, like, proficiencies and extra weapons, skills, languages, etc. Like, that's mm-hmm. something that I let people get in there, mm-hmm. is that, like, after a certain amount of time, if you've been working on this thing and studying, you can get it. When gaining HP when you level up, roll a hit die. If you roll at or above average value, take that roll. If you roll below average value, take the average value. Because it sucks if you're, like, a barbarian and you rolled a 1. You're like, wow, yeah. <laughs> cool. I gained four hit points because my con is 16. Mm-hmm. Wow, great. Yeah, but she could have rolled a 12. And I could have rolled a 12 and rolled a 15. So, like, just, just to see the discrepancy between them. Mm-hmm. Drinking a potion uses a bonus action. Administering a potion to someone else uses an action. Yeah, I think this is a great rule. It's a, So, it does take away a little bit from the thief rogue archetype if you ever have a thief that can use an object as a bonus action so like that's the only class that kind of you know is taken away from this rule but i feel like this rule just helps everyone a lot more yeah makes the game a lot more fun yeah 
you can cast cantrips during a rage. This came up when we were talking with Jasper, and I was like, that is a great idea. Since cantrips are so ingrained in your memory, it makes sense to me that you would be able to cast them even if you were in a rage. Will this come up often? Will it come up at all with Naboon? Probably not, but here it is. It's in the it's in the rules now. I mean, we don't know, right? He has access to cantrips right now, and maybe there'll be something that comes about that makes him multi-class and barbarian. Exactly. I'm also going to ask about that to push on it a little bit. What if the cantrip takes concentration? So, like, um... I think Dancing Lights takes concentration. I'm going to say you can't concentrate on it, but okay. if it was like a... But like Firebolt, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Just make it sure. I just wanted to check with that while we're here. Also, I want my players to have fun at the end of the day. So if they want to try some unofficial material, I'm all for it. If Alex wants to make a case for why he should be able to do something, and he makes a valid argument, I'll probably let him do it. But whatever I say, that's how it's going to be. Backflip. Was that, was that you? Oh my. I just did one. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, whatever so I say could happen. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move on to table etiquette. All right. I think that I should be allowed to have a device at the table. <laughs> you know, I also think that you should have a device at the table since you need it to access your character sheet. And I don't want to spend the entire time we're playing reminding Alex what his things are. Because I can't even, as a player myself, remember all of my things. So I'm not going to be able to remember what my DMing, my creatures can do, which I still can't even always remember. And his own stuff? No. Alex can manage his own thing just fine. It's also going to be difficult to record a podcast with no devices. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> I also like to use a computer to write out my DM plans and a tablet to read my notes during sessions. And then as the session's going, I like to take pen and paper notes. So that's just, that's how I do. All right. And I will be drinking mostly water at the table. I don't yeah, think I'll Yeah, I was going to say... Neither of us really drinks alcohol much, so it's mm-hmm. probably not going to be an issue. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much covers it. I will do my best not to roll unannounced <laughs> or unprompted. Yeah. It probably wouldn't really bother me anyways, because if I don't have something planned right there, it doesn't matter if you rolled a 20 in your perception. There wasn't anything for you to look at. You notice that there's nothing untoward in this area, and you move on with your life. You feel a sense of wastefulness. <laughs> you feel like you wasted that natural 20, and you internally... You don't win. even know what that means, but you know it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then for roleplay etiquette, again, not really going to be an issue because it's just the two of us. Like, we're just, we're going to have to share it. But he also, you're not competing with anyone else, so. I mean, but if you're giving a big monologue about, like, setting a scene or yeah, having a bad guy thing, I'm not going to You don't need to interrupt me to tell me your cool joke. But what if it's funny? You can wait for your pun till the end. Okay. Can do. And it should be a pun. It might be. <laughs> now for the story and setting. So our campaign is going to take place on a continent called Cosnos, which is a homebrew setting that I used for my previous campaign. I think recycling worlds is great, especially when a player hasn't been in them before. So like, and even not? if and even if they have, like different things can happen. 
Yeah. Like, use the previous stuff that happened and build off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great way. Like, oh, look, you played in this setting for a year and a half. You made a bunch of history that happened in your world. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of, great. That's kind of what happened in Critical Role, right? Because campaign one is set in this world. Yeah. And then campaign two is like, I think it's like 20 years later. I'm not actually sure on the timeline. Yeah, like 20, but it's 40, in, something like that. But it's in a like different that. part of the world. So then like the stories of their original characters probably could be found if they looked for them. But, yeah. you know, that's a good way to do it. I also never completely fleshed out this world since my players just stayed in one nation so i'm excited to see where naboon might end up it's fun stuff sounds good yeah and also as i said earlier that there is this adventuring school and that is kind of how does it have a name it does it is the Ironheart institute okay you were not going to be at it in your first session spoiler spoiler alert but by the end, you're going to have heard about it and Sounds going to be good. trying to join it. But that's just, it's a, when you Don't have Don't railroad a, me. <laughs> I'm railroading you. By the end, I will have heard of it and want nothing to do with it. I'll be dancing away. That and then you still happen. can't take feats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Boone sucks. He was smited. JK. Let's try again. <laughs> This time, do what I say. <laughs> I am your god. <laughs> All right. So an overview of Cosmos. It is a large island continent that happens to be shaped kind of like Africa. That's just a fun fact for our listeners at home and for Alex. <laughs> and <laughs> For literally everyone. It's a fun fact for everyone except me. There are seven nations on Cosnos that are going to be starting in the one called Acror. Can you spell that for me? A-C-R-O-R. Thanks. And for the Cosnos calendar, I was inspired by the Ethiopian calendar because their calendar makes more sense to me than the Gregorian calendar. And the Gregorian calendar is the standard calendar used throughout most of the world. If you didn't know, now you know. And in Cosmos, there are 365 days in a year with no leap years. It's just standard. It's perfect. It's wonderful. There are 24 hours in a day. A week has five days, and there are 73 total weeks in a year. There are 12 30-day months and one five-day month, which is a week-long celebration for the new year. And that happens right away. And then after that are the 12 30-day months. And Cosmos used to all be part of the same empire centuries ago, which is why everyone uses the same calendar. Sounds good. We've made several changes to races. We're mostly going to be using the character origin rules found in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, since who raised your character has way more of an impact on who they are than what they look like. Nature versus nurture. Yeah. We chose nurture. Yeah. Like, if I'm playing a dwarf raised by a family of goblin tinkers, I'm not going to inherently know how to craft dwarvish weapons. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Probably might not even speak dwarvish. Probably not. You'll probably speak Goblin, which mm-hmm. is totally fine and makes sense. Yep. We're also completely doing away with the notion of evil and monstrous races. This is inherently supremacist since it implies that some races are better than others, which is not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true in the real world, and it won't be true in ours either. Yep. And keep in mind, that means we will still have orcs and goblins and all those sorts of races that just won't be inherently evil because that 
isn't a thing that can be. Yes. Yeah. Any person can be evil, but no race is inherently evil. It's right. about the choices you make, not what you look like. Mm-hmm. If you go around killing a bunch of people, you're probably evil. Just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Or an executioner. And then we're in a moral gray area, aren't we? <laughs> okay, I'm just, I was just also throwing it out there, you know? Yeah. I guess it depends on your motive or reasoning or rationale, but I don't right. know. Right, and we're also not necessarily saying that executioners are not evil. I'm not going to get into this debate. <laughs> <laughs> we are also changing the idea of skin color for races. Any race that has been published as being is like white or tan like elves and dwarves are gonna have shades from pale pasty white through dark brown what if they're like green like orcs then they're green so but they're like white-ish green to like mucus green to like a dark forest green or are they just green um yeah i think that you know there's gonna be some genetic difference in how your skin looks it's just the thing Mm-hmm. So, yes. Okay. It isn't like everyone is green the color of the green crayon. Oh, all right. If you don't want to have just a completely boring world, then I, we won't. Yeah, we won't. Because <laughs> you know what? It really doesn't matter what color your character's skin is, and everyone should be able to play a character that looks like them. Mm-hmm. We are also changing the idea of half races. If you think about it, any two races could really procreate, especially if you really anthropomorphize the avian and reptilian races, mm-hmm. which I'm going to do. There it is. It's in there. Can't be changed. So right. It, it doesn't make sense that only half-elf and half-orc would exist, Like, and why does one of their halves have to be human? You know. Yeah. So we're going to have potentially like half-orc, half-dwarf, you know, whatever. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. But... We're going to have a lot of races that are blending together to make new, like, half races. Yes. Probably won't get into the minutia of, like, oh, I'm a quarter orc and three quarters elf, you know. That's that's going to be one of those, like, this is a narrative-driven story, not a, you know, heavily mechanics into the minutia thing. Let's just go either you're full-blooded or you're half of two races. Yeah. As we mentioned at the beginning of our last episode, we felt that the currently published stats for Changeling was problematic, so we've made a few changes to them. In our game, they can be born to any race since they occur because of a genetic mutation. And if you're familiar with X-Men, they're kind of like Mystique. It's just like they can change their appearance. They have like a natural form. Like... She looks, like, blue and, like, she has, like, kind of, like, a scaly, feathery kind of look to her oh, skin. Oh, man. Can that be what Nibu looks like normally? <laughs> Just looks like Mystique? Like a boy Mystique? Well, I will... We'll get to that in a second. Okay. All right. And for NPCs that I haven't specified information about, I'm going to roll for their race and gender. We made a table for all the playable races in Cosnos and gave a percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. So that we can see, like, the likelihood of, you know, the occurrences of different peoples. Yeah, and we'll say that Quinn has made a list of races that are in her world. And since I'm pretty much the only one that's going to be playing, but maybe we'll have guests. Unless the guest is like, I want to play a grung, there's probably not going to be any grung in the world. Right. Those are like the frog people. Yeah. They're like tree frog people. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, there's a list of, I think it was like 40 races or, no, 27, 30, something like that. Yeah, that, something like that. Yeah, I think there's like 45 total races if you go into all the Magic the Gathering ones as well. Yeah, everything that's been published. Yeah. But I looked like at a subset, yeah, that I felt made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what does Naboon look like? Like, his natural form, like... If he were to die, what would he look like? What would his body look like? All right, so as we discussed, our changelings in this world are just, they are actually of the race they're born into with the ability to shape change, basically. So he looks like Videlkin for the most part, but he has, so he has the blue skin, and I'm picturing like a deep blue, mm-hmm. um, not quite navy but like a dark royal blue. Okay. And then he has purple eyes. Mm-hmm. And unlike other Vidalkins, Naboon actually has a head of hair. So he has blonde hair on top. Like, okay. I feel like he keeps it either pretty close cropped or maybe he just changelings himself to not have hair so that he doesn't stick out. And then he has a wide, flat nose, like other Vidalcans, and kind of his other features are very Vidalcan. Like, maybe I think he's a little bit shorter than a lot of Vidalcans as well. Yeah, so my thought is that, like, changelings look like whatever they were born into, Mm -hmm. but they're a little bit, like, shorter and more slender. Okay. Yeah, Naboon is six feet tall, blonde hair, and purple eyes, and then... Royal blue skin with a wide flat nose. No ears because Vidalcan don't have ears. Yes. And then he can... Well, they don't have external ears. They're kind of like a seal. Sure. I'm picturing like the top of a pencil, like the eraser. (laughs) But it's a person's head. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's kind of like what it'll look like. I know what you're saying, but like a head isn't shaped like that, but that's fine. <laughs> Certainly it is. <laughs> this voice head is. <laughs> Don't judge me. It's getting hot in here. It's getting we're getting the weird heat energy. <laughs> All right, so that's what Naboon looks like. Okay. So I would say that probably that that head of hair clued his family in to the fact that he was genetically a little different. Yeah, maybe he was born with it too. You know, some babies are born with hair. And the doctors are like, WTF. (laughs) I will not swear on this podcast, but I will abbreviate (laughs) swears. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. All right. Another thing that we wanted to talk about here. How does he sound? What's his voice like? Oh, uh, we're going to, we'll get a little bit of that next episode. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you got to stay tuned to find out what he sounds like. You gotta keep probably on listening. He doesn't give that away for free. Probably. I mean, he does, but in the next episode. Yeah, in two weeks. I was gonna say probably something like my voice, but altered in some way. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> All right. Both Alex and I felt, since you know you're visually impaired, that we wanted to have a character that had a disability, who you know was still being a hero in their own story. So. Do you want to talk a little about, you know, what we're doing with Naboon? Yeah, as you said, I think that, you know, representing disabilities is important to me. And who better to represent one than myself who has a disability and, 
you know, I'm going to be portraying my own disability so that I am sure of what the disability is like. Yeah. So Naboon, like me, will be visually impaired. And so for my vision, what I see is kind of like blurry shapes and colors and I can kind of make things out, you know, for the most part. But when things are the same color, they blend together. And as things get further away, they blend more and more together, so it's hard to distinguish things far away. So we decided that Naboon would be able to kind of see, you know, in a blurry state, and then anything past 30 feet, he won't really be able to distinguish. Right. So some rules that we made for his vision are that he has disadvantage on checks and attacks for things that, you know, he's trying to see made more than 30 feet away. He'll have disadvantage on perception checks to see anything further than 30 feet away. He can't target creatures with spells that say a target you can see if they are more than 30 feet away. And he cannot read written language. He can read a tactile common, which if you think in our world, that would be kind of like braille. Yeah, and we also, in the backstory that we revised, we had him, he recently went blind, and that's why he's getting some of these penalties, whereas if he'd been blind for 10 to 20 years, he probably wouldn't have as many of these disadvantages, but since he's recently blind, we felt like he should have some disadvantages since he's still learning to adapt. Yeah, and how the story was starting is that he... um He just finished some training. Yeah, he finished a adjustment to blindness training and he is setting out into the world to adventure yeah so a lot of what we said last time in our episode basic recap Naboon grew up in the Vidalcan city he wasn't quite as scholarly as his friends heard about this genie and he wanted to try to get power to get out of the responsibilities of you know scholarly life and is now beholden to the genie that he found, the lamp. He rubbed it, made a wish, and he's beholden to the genie, got back to his city. Um, what's the city name? Nerez. Okay, so he gets back to Nerez, where he's from, and he finds his family again, and they don't recognize him. And so there we had that he kind of, like, backs up and runs away with tears in his eyes. And as he's running away, he, like, falls and hits his head. And this head injury causes him to lose his sight. Then he goes through his adjustment to blindness training. And, like, six months later, after he's recovered and learned what he can from there, he's going off to adventure to try and find a way to get out of this patch with the genie. Maybe either by you know, finding someone more powerful to fight the genie or someone that can, like, take his bond over, though that's probably not ideal either. Yeah. Just kind of trying to earn his freedom. Yeah. Kind of an ironic (laughs) twist on the Aladdin story, right? Because we talked about it being Aladdin, right? Yeah. And Aladdin in the movie has the power over the genie of, like, to free him. And now, in this case, it's more the genie has the power over Naboon, and Naboon's trying to become free. Yeah. Yeah. It it is a role reversal. Yeah. And Naboon's blue, just like the genie. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Perfect. Yes. The voice will sound just like Robin Williams. You won't be able to tell that it's me. It will just be (laughs) a Mm -hmm. perfect imitation. Of course. I doubt that. And yeah, so that pretty much just sums that up. I think we're good. We we told the people all about it. 
Yeah, do you know where, can you give us a little preview? Where is Nibun going to be starting? Will he be leaving the city, which name I definitely didn't forget, but for the listeners, could you repeat it, Gwen? We're not going to see him leaving Nerez. He is actually going to be arriving in a different city called Alnaluma, um, which is still in Acroar. And he is arriving in, and it happens to be the New Year celebration. So Excellent. Lots right. of fun stuff is happening. All right. Sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to join him. Yes. You can find more information about our show at a acoupleofcharacterspodcast.com. Have ideas or feedback or need help creating your next character? Email us at acoupleofcharacterspod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast. We'd like to thank John Began for composing our theme music. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, five-star review will really help us out, and it's a free way you can help our show. Yes, but if you're feeling like jumping up to the next level, you can support us by becoming a Patreon donor, just like Chelsea did. Woo! Thank you, Chelsea! Thank you, Chelsea. We love that. Yes, and you can do that by searching ACOC Podcast, and you can check out our newly revamped Patreon, which has new donor levels and new benefits. Yeah, so the benefits include a lot of stuff related to this Cosmos campaign that we're going to be playing. Yeah. You can also support us by going to bookshop.org slash shop slash ACC podcast, and any purchase you make there will help support our show. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Alex in Winterland. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at not a Dr. Quinn. Thanks for listening. Keep on rolling. drink of water. No one saw that coming. Nice cold drink Hi- of water. Stay hydrated while you play D&D. That's the last thing. <laughs> just, just hydration. Mm-hmm. Yes. Make sure you always have water. Alright. So now... Mm, I don't like that. You said it real weird. <laughs> Not even... <Meow. laughs> I'm a race car. As we... Why'd I clap? <laughs> Hot mess. <laughs> Quinn is just struggling so hard right now. We're making notes now. Ah. Quinn's written my song with her little yells. I always forget that you're going to put these songs at the end <laughs> when I'm singing them. But then at, right immediately after the song, I'm like, oh, no, Quinn's going to put this at the end. <laughs> I'd just like you to know that you serenade me with these beautiful things. And I just want to share them with the world. If you didn't want someone to hear it, you shouldn't have said it into a microphone that was recording. Got him.